Um, also, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Leslie Rowe. I'm on staff here at Denton North. And this morning, Ronnie Worsham is going to speak to us. And I know we have a lot of new people here. And so I just wanted to let you know who this person is that's standing up in front of you. We are a family of churches. We have a church in Garland, in Arlington, in East Plano, in Wiley, and then our church here in Denton. And we are a church planting church. And Ronnie is the one who started us off with our first church and who taught us and encouraged us as we planted other churches. Kurt and I have known him for 30 years now and loved him and learned a lot from him. And he has shown us what it looks like to follow Jesus in a way that we can imitate, not in a way that's high and lofty and you look at and go, I could never do that. But in a way that's very real and very easy to imitate because our Jesus um, showed us how to live and showed us that it was something that we can follow after. And so Ronnie is going to come this morning and share with us our final um, sermon in the series of gospel stories. And I can't think of anybody I would rather have finished that off and hear what his, one of his favorite stories is. So come on up, Ronnie. Well, it is, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun for me to be here. I know a lot of you don't know me, and I, I get that. I had a, had a young man recently that was, I, I didn't know very well, he was in one of my classes, uh, but he told me he had heard of me for a long time, and, and I, I didn't know him at all. And, uh, and he uh, called me recently, and he said something to the effect of, I'm sorry I've, if I've been giving off negative vibes uh, in your class. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry if I didn't notice, but um, <laughs> I don't know what your vibes look like. But he was just saying, well, you know, I've heard so much about you, and people talk about you, and they quote you, and they do this and that. And I said, most of that I made up and handed him and said, quote this. But uh, I, I got him somewhere else. But seriously, I, I told him, I said, you know, if I were you and I were sitting in my class, I would be leery too. Um, God called me a long time ago when I was 22 years old uh, to do what uh, we're doing. I've told people over and over, you can believe that or not believe it. It's, it is what it is. But it, it, as he trained me in a lot of different ways, mostly not pleasant, uh, mostly not because of my strength, but because of my weakness and my failures, my doubts, my fears, all that was lacking in my life. Uh, he showed me he wanted to use a kid from a dirt road that Satan meant to own and did own and, uh, and do something so that God would get the credit for it. And uh, all along the way, we've used an expression, God deal, which God knows where I, I adopted that from a long time ago. But I know that Grant Trotter hates me using the word deal. Uh, it's a God deal. He doesn't like big deal, little deal. He hates it. He, has a, he, he still gives off negative vibes for me. <laughs> Consistently. But, um, you know, it's, it's a God deal. It's, and, you know, so much of what God does is in the subtle. It's in the little. We, we humans are too caught up with this big stuff. And a lot of that is just because we don't really know God very well. I almost fell. So, uh, <laughs> but in our pulpit, we don't get to move around, so I'm not used to that anymore. But I like that. You know, I may, I tell them I'm going to sing and dance. I told them I was going to sing a song, but I do sing sometime. But I said that to say, I, I get it. You, you don't know who I am. And I don't know who most of you are, but you don't have a bigger fan. And uh, what's happening right now in our family of churches now, and, and we consider Focus one of our families in our family of churches. Focus is, operates very differently, uh, but um, we, we really seek to give us all the best a big and the best a little. Uh, if you have a, an intense need up here, um, 
your leaders would call some of us and uh, you would find out you got a much bigger family out there that cares about you because you're part of us yeah. and vice versa. <clears throat> and what's going on in Garland right now is we are in a transition of me stepping out of being the senior pastor of the Garland Church and just becoming a co-pastor of all the pastors now in the churches. And that's going to be my my uh, my final stage. I don't plan to ever retire. Uh, it will allow them to use me as my capabilities uh, allow and as I'm needed. So, so I'm here not as anything beyond just another one of the servants here to help you. But I, w I am available. Uh, I may not be a super apostle and I may be a dirt road kid, but I've been doing ministry almost 50 years. Um, you're not going to shock me. I've seen and heard and been through and experienced things most people... Um, can, can only imagine, but I know some of you have already in your short lives been through some shocking, devastating things that yeah. you're struggling. One of our sisters talking about struggling with body image. For those of us that work with people struggling with that, when it becomes severe, we know what she's talking about. Uh, that's not rhetoric. That is a painful, harsh thing to be dealing with, but that's just one of many. So I'm here to help you. I'll do all that I can to help you. I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere at once, but I'll try to be up here as much as I can. I've always worked with you guys. You, uh, you, you, don't, you may not realize that just as a resource, and I know a lot of you. I know a lot of your leaders um, in many ways better than you do. As, as Leslie told you, uh, Kurt and Leslie were in their 20s when they started working in a small groups ministry. They saw the beginning of our first focus ministry in another church, which um, <clears throat> it was less than what we would want it to be. Is that okay if I just kind of say it like that? It was kind of scary, but <clears throat> we tried. You know, if Chelsea bothers you, I've known Chelsea since she was pretty young, and I know stories on her. So if <laughs> She acts all that. I know her people. I know stuff. Um, <clears throat> don't ask me about Brad because I couldn't tell you anything I know, but I do know a lot. No, I do know a lot of you uh, really well. Um, I prayed for um, at least one of your members to be born. Um, so I go way back. I just want you to know I'm here as a servant. That's who I am. If you're a new college student here and you're saying, what is happening here? Uh, some of your leaders are asking the same thing. Say, where's he going? He's almost fallen. <clears throat> His dementia is acting up now. So if you see they've come and lead me off, that's what's happened. <clears throat> now I can't breathe. <clears throat> That's a little bit about me. Yeah, we do operate in a, in a family of churches, and each church is completely independent. You guys don't have to be a part of the DFW Metro family of churches. Uh, it's, it's challenged by choice. If you want to be, you can be. Uh, that's for all of us. It's the same with focus. Uh, we are not out to build turf. We're not out to control. We're out to liberate and free. If the sun shall set you free, you will indeed be free. And we want to practice that with you. Um, I'm going to have to cough again. <coughs> when Brad came up here, I said, Brad, go build a Denton church. Don't build a Richardson church. Don't build a Garland church. Go build a Denton church. Uh, we, want, we want that. And so we're really excited about you. And, and I was at Arlington a few weeks ago, and one of the questions I fielded in a Q&A was, what do you think about a church of people that are mainly 20s? I said, I think much more favorably about it than I do a church of people that are mainly in their 60s, because that's where a lot of our Christian churches are now. What I see here is future. Um, there's plenty of people, there's plenty of age here, and you guys are not little kids. Um, and, and there's future here. I believe if you guys will stay with this, God is going to surprise you in some ways you can't imagine. I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't have a, an agenda for that. 
But we do need churches like this. We're not competing with other churches. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves. Um, the, the calling God gave me was to plant churches and drive campus ministry. And that's what I've been doing for a long time. In fact, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving in a couple of months uh, since we started Northeast, since God started it. And God did start it, by the way. I would be remiss not to, to mention, though, today, uh, many of you, uh, some of you at least, weren't even born uh, on September the 11th. 2001. 9-11 uh, has become one of those expressions like when I was growing up to say Pearl Harbor. Uh, you say 9-11, it, it means something. I was sitting in a staff meeting uh, at Garland. It was a Tuesday morning and we were getting ready to start and uh, you know, if that would go down my trachea, that would help. <laughs> Could you maybe just pour it while I breathe? Sure. <laughs> Thank you. That's sweet. Uh, and I'll get a drink in a minute. If I get a drink, I'll just preach longer. So I won't. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to start our staff meeting, and somebody came into the meeting and said, did you hear about the plane that crashed into the World Trade Center? Now, there had been an attempt to bomb the World Trade Center a little bit earlier, so it was known that there were efforts by an Islamic terrorist group to do that, and, but it was just shocking. And I said, which tower? The North Tower. My wife and I had dinner uh, in the Windows on the World I think it was about the 107th floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center in 1980. And, and when you see, saw those mammoth structures and you were up there and when they called, it was that was really a complex, but it had a really nice restaurant there that we were kind of, uh, to use our oak expression, big dogging it back then. Uh, <laughs> And as we sat there and ate quail eggs, uh, Tana said, I like White's Cafeteria better. So that'll tell you how country we are. And I agreed with her. Um, but it was unthinkable that that could happen. And that really kind of was one of those benchmark things that just reflect the, the war we live in. You know, it's easy for us as Americans to look at that. Well, that's the greatest tragedy that's happened in the United States. And you know, on our soil. Well, the reason it's not happened on our soil because we've helped it happen on a lot of other people's soil. Yeah. And one of the reasons we were getting it is because of some of the things that we had done in the Middle East. Now, I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but I am trying to make a statement to remind us that we are in the middle of a war. And our world tends to be kind of defined for a period of time by these things that happen down here because of what's happening up here in the spirit realm. So I was sobered by that. I'm still sobered by that. But that's not the greatest tragedy. The, the greatest tragedy is not the nearly 3,000 people that were killed then. And that was an enormous, horrible, awful tragedy. Don't hear me say it wasn't. But it's a tragedy that goes on every day in our own hearts sometimes. It's the silent scream all around us of people that are, are desperate. They're lost. The world's answers often create even more problem for them. And one of the sad things is, is our concept of Jesus is so messed up. Is it not sad that Christians today in our country are most known for what we're against? Yeah. I don't think being against something is good news. And we cheer and, and the world doesn't understand. Because they don't see us as good news because, guys, too often we're not. Yeah. We're cranky moms. The problem is mom's always cranky. 
Um, but that's not who Jesus called us to be. And I want to share a story today that, that comes out of a series we are doing in Garland and a story about which I preached last Sunday in Garland. I, I rarely ever do sermons twice, and I promise you I could not do them the same way twice. So if you go listen to that one, listen to this one, you say, well, I think he used the same text at least. Um, but when they talked to me about this, I thought, I, I think this would be helpful. The reason we're sharing lesser known stories about Jesus, really focusing on some of the things that are never preached about. And there's a reason they're not preached about. It's because they're not, you know, the lost son, the good Samaritan, those things, Jesus hanging on the cross. Um, there are things we've all read. There's no, no secrets in that we're not preaching from the Gospel of Thomas here, but uh, which some of you may not have read. We're, we're preaching stories that go, now, what is that about? And the reason, among other things, we're doing this is because we, we're lazy thinkers as humans. We want to meet somebody, make a decision, not to think about it anymore. Oh, there it is. There that. We categorize. We pigeonhole people by the obvious, this, they're this race, they're this gender, they're this you know, political party, they're this whatever. Those things that often define a lot of people, but it, they're not very good things to define people. And we do that with Jesus. We read, oh, Jesus is this, and okay. But then comes those scriptures that take us aback a bit. When people say, well, you know, I don't believe God would, or I think God is this way, well, okay, why? Because you think he should be? Well, that's like me telling Aaron what he ought to be. You ought to be this. Well, I'm not, sorry, but you ought to be. And I'm mad at you, and I'm not going to be friends with you because you're not what I think you ought to be. And that's the way a lot of people are with God. And thus, a lot of our concepts of God are just what we made up. We pay Jesus up to be whatever we are. One of the things that we're planning on doing is, is, is doing a depiction in our church building of some of the different ideas about what Jesus has looked like across the world and through the ages. And it just probably is no, not amazing that each culture kind of, he looked a whole lot like them. And that's the Jesus I grew up with in southern Oklahoma looked a whole lot like us. He didn't have long hair because we were against that. You know, he had a regular, which is what we got at the barbershop. <laughs> and he was white. And, and if he had been able to speak, he would have sounded like an oaky accent, like you were reading Grapes of Wrath. Um, <laughs> so I want to share a story uh, that's told by both Mark and Matthew a little bit differently. And the gospel writers do use their stories. They're, they're not trying to, to, they're not trying to give a, 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 a biographical account. They're using these events of Jesus to try to help us see Jesus and help us see who he is in these contexts so that we can see him in our context because he is here. He is here today, now. And the greatest challenge of our faith is not believing that God can forgive our sins. I think most of us kind of, yeah, I think I can get that. That Jesus died for our sins. Well, I mean, if you come to study that and, and see the evidence for it, yeah, it's as unbelievable as that seems. That happened. What's unbelievable for most of us is to believe that that good and holy God lives inside of me. <laughs> and then, then to look around at other people that I know to be a lot like me or people that are worse than me, like Josh, and, <laughs> and the And my friend that I met up with recently that I studied with years ago who made a commitment to God and, and deals with quite a few things has moved out of state years ago and I was asking him how he was doing. He came through town. He calls me dad. 
Um, spent a lot of years with him. And uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I said, how are you doing with your dating stuff? And he said, well, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a girl I like, but she's, she's, she's not a Christian. And, and so, yeah, I'm not going to keep doing that. And he said, I did, I did have a guy I dated for a few months. Well, we've talked a whole lot about same-sex attraction and all that stuff. And, and I know his challenge. I know where he comes from. I know all the stories. I've been in his mud. As to some degree, I'd let him know about mine. Um, I believe God is still living in him. Now, that's what salvation by faith is. It's believing that God is that good. But he doesn't give up easily on people. Yeah. Because that's not about whether we condone this or that or approve of this or that, but we condone greed. And yet, are some of us greedy sometimes? Do we condone jealousy? Do, do we condone hate, selfishness, injustice? Do we condone racism? Do we condone any of that? But does it live in us? As Paul would say, I know in my flesh dwells nothing good. I know what I'm capable of, and you do too. And it's hard for us to believe God can do that because we don't get God. That's like saying a mother can't handle your crap. Guys, she's seen your anus a lot more than you ever will unless you're free. <laughs> she has liked it. She has cleaned it. She knows what all of that looks like. You do it. You don't look and walk out. No, she didn't get to do that. <laughs> and by the way, in this modern world, dads are in the same boat because she's going to make sure that we get that same experience. <laughs> she didn't enjoy doing that, but she enjoyed keeping you clean. She enjoyed taking care of her baby. Guys, God can handle your crap. Yeah. He just can't take you throwing it at him. He can't take you intentionally wallowing in it. That's all. He made our bodies so that we did go to the restroom and do all those things. Well, when we read these stories about Jesus and we're like, wait, that doesn't fit our thing. Well, I'm going to read this out of two accounts. One's Mark 11 and the other... <clears throat> excuse me, is in Matthew 21. And it is this story of Jesus going into Jerusalem. <clears throat> so let's catch Mark 11, verse 12, and read some verses here. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because... It was not the season for figs. Hmm. Maybe Jesus is not as all-knowing as we thought he was. You're trying to pick figs from a tree when it's not fig season. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. <clears throat> now try to get this picture. How long was this going on? I think it's easy for us to think this was boom and that was over. No, this sounds like this went on for a little while. You know, it doesn't sound like something that was just happened and then left. Can I turn this off a second? No, I can't. I don't know how. <clears throat> My advice to you all is turn 50 and then pray for death. It just, it's a lot easier. <clears throat> Your body 
starts paying tricks on you that I won't even go into right now. I've already embarrassed you saying anus, but um, for those that know me, know that I've said worse than that. But I said it to shock you on purpose. <clears throat> well, he's got this going on. And as he taught them, now there's teaching going on here too. He's talking and said, get that out of here. Now let's continue talking about what Yeah. No, don't bring that in here. Get that out of here. I mean, he is in the Capitol building here. And he's taking it over. He's mainly been ministering up in Galilee. Now, you've got to get these scenes to kind of catch the, the audacity of what's happening here. This simple Jesus is now just taken over. And it sounds like he's making it happen. I mean, literally has turned over tables and stuff. That sounds pretty violent. Our Prince of Peace has just caused quite the ruckus. Uh, he was at the Capitol riot here. He caused it. Not making a political statement here. But it was the same scandalous thing that happened last January. Again, not talking cause here. I'm just talking about just the scandal it is. Did you hear about? Well, I'm sure the disciples thought Jesus, that was perfectly okay. But there was a whole nother political party over there that thought, what right do you have to be doing this? Oh, these opposition things are not new. Jesus was... The Prince of Peace was fighting this battle. And he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now he's using an expression here for robber that really is probably best translated in our day as insurrectionist. You're taking over something that's not yours. You've made it a house of insurrectionists. Guys, we do that all the time with the church. We make our churches what we want them to be. Like we know what they are. Like we know what we need. The church is being led and has been from its beginning by people that were often a den of robbers. We've turned it into performance praise. We've turned it into performance preaching. We've used the Tower of Babel plan. Let's build a tower to heaven to make a name for ourselves. You know, God judge us. I mean, we can't judge everybody else, but we are a part of a, a, the church of God universal. And there is a sense that God judges us with the church of God in the world. Verse 18, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole world was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. They probably went out to Bethany, where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. That's probably where he's staying during these occasions. Uh, around Passover, the, the city was too full. There was probably no place to stay, which we've kind of heard that in his birth story uh, in Bethlehem. So they're going back out. Now, in the morning, <clears throat> they went along. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Peter, you are the master of the profound statement. <laughs> but, but Peter wanted to be the first to, to say it. <laughs> Trying to win approval. This was the same Jesus that said, I mean, Peter that said, when Jesus said, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to get rejected and I'm going to get killed and raised on the third day. This is the same Peter that said, this is translated into Oki. It's not quite true to the Greek, but he said, over my dead body, and thought he was being very bold, and Jesus said, you get behind me, you devil. You're not thinking on God, you're thinking about your stuff. Get out of here. 
But that's the kind of thing that's going on there. But we, we tone it into this holy language. Get behind me, thee Satan. Whatever that is. And God said. Um, yeah. God doesn't speak quite that way. And Jesus then just says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and he's probably on the Mount of Olives right here, <clears throat> which is looking right across at the temple. You say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, which it's a long way from the sea, by the way, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Well, that makes us very uncomfortable because, as my dad used to say, the age of miracles has ceased. He wasn't a believer, obviously, and he wasn't a believer at all, obviously. And he would say things like that. We were, there was deism. And, and we as Christians today, we have to kind of explain that away because I don't have the faith that I can do that. Do you? I think God can, but I don't have faith that God wants to do that for me. Do you? I don't think he was condemning us here. He's just saying, here's the deal. I, I mean, he's, he, he's going to say another time, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Well, what does that tell you about you and me? See, the problem often is not our belief in God. It's our belief in God's belief in us. There's where the faith comes. What God can do that's more than we can ask or imagine, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. What he can do that's more than we can ask or imagine is not great the world. We already believe that. I believe he did. I believe he raised dead people. I believe he can heal sick people. I believe he can command mountains to jump into the sea. But what's more than I can ask or imagine just too many days is to ask him to use me to do it. I'm not worthy I'm not able. There's where the faith breaks down. <clears throat> so we got this scene going on here. It's just an olive tree. That was, Jesus was apparently ticked off because it wasn't bearing fruit in, out of season. And so he says that. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it. It's going to be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you also. Wait, how does that get thrown in there? What does that have to do with this? Well, that's for another day. Matthew 21, Matthew kind of rearranges it in the story and says Jesus was on his way back to the city. He's already been out to Bethany. He saw this fig tree by the road. He went up to it, found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When his disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus replied, when he says, truly, I tell you, this is if saying, I want to tell you the absolute truth, Becca. That's kind of what he's saying. This is absolutely true. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You know what's exciting about this to me? It used to be depressing to me that we just weren't at this. And a lot of the people that go around practicing miracles, it looks pretty fake to me. You know, I mean, that may be my weakness. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not the cure-all, end-all. You know, I, I have prayed for someone that got well immediately once. It was the exception. I have prayed and tried to raise people from the dead before. I've done a lot of things that I probably, you know, wouldn't necessarily want to tell people, but, but to me it wasn't a statement about God. It was a statement about me. The exciting thing is, is how much more we can do. 
But you can't honor faith, you grow in it. Being married, my wife and I have been married 46 years. Yeah, we're both very imperfect. I know Tana, she knows me. Um, you know, we're at an age that it's just hard to get much better. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> now we just, you kind of feel like you regress a little bit. You try really hard, but it's just like running or jumping or thinking. It's like, it's harder. Takes a lot of effort. But what I can say is I really trust her. And she trusts me. It's like I, I know Tana. I know who she is. I know what she does. I know what she stands for. I've grown in trust. I don't feel insecure. I don't worry about her getting mad at me and leaving me. It's just, you know, I don't worry about her kicking me out of the house. I do worry about her kicking me in the house some days, but I'll <laughs> not tell that story. So there, there, there's these, these texts, there's a couple of things going on. Is Jesus getting riled in the temple? Jesus getting angry with this seemingly pretty innocent fig tree um, that was, you know, out of season. Uh, seemed a bit unfair to curse the fig tree. Uh, then we, we've got this couched in the middle of this Passion Week uh, because Jesus uh, is... Is come came into town uh, in what we call the triumphal entry, and then he cleanses the temple, and then he curses this fig tree. You know, now the triumphal entry is just this almost humorous scene of Jesus riding into town on a donkey, which was kind of not the way kings did. There's a lot of statement going on here, and there's, a, there's some speculation as to what is the symbolism. It had been prophesied by Zechariah that that's how their king would come, which was like, what? Kings rode steeds, big horses, pump, parade. Jesus is riding a donkey. You know, I think he's still riding a donkey, isn't he? Right? Aren't... Don't we act like a jackass sometimes? <laughs> Jesus is riding one of the most stubborn animals ever. Most of you probably haven't been around donkeys, but I'm telling you, they are stubborn. They're good coyotes. Pardon? They're good coyotes. Oh, they've got some good stuff going. I'm not making fun of them, but they are stubborn. I think that probably is part of this metaphorical scene. And all of these people are just Hosanna and I. Wow. It's fun. We got some parade going. But you know, it, it, it's probably some of those very people that were all hyped up that were shouting crucify him a few days later. We can be pretty fickle. So we've got this triumphal entry scene, which is interesting. And, and we've got this cursing of this fig tree, and we've got this insurrection of the insurrectionists going on at the temple. And, and the gospel writers were just making these points to get us to think, what are we supposed to get out of this? Well, let me just make a few suggestions here at the end. Um, the fig tree is symbolic of both Israel and the church as the people of God. There are a number of Old Testament texts that deal with the, uh, the, the symbolism of the fig tree of Israel. Hosea 9.10, uh, there's a, an illustration in Jeremiah 24, Jeremiah 8.13, and Micah 4.4. 4. And, you know, this, this action in the temple that we call cleansing and the action of the fig tree in its withering are acts of a prophet. Now you got to get the picture that Isaiah, who was the messianic prophet, a preached, it says he preached naked for a year. He probably had on a loincloth, but it says he preached naked for a year. Prophets did this kind of stuff. They did these kind of wild, crazy things that just shocked the sensibilities. And today, by the way, we're that way. We're so, we're so tender. And God shocks us. Right? We're so shocked. 
That's not fair. God shouldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. There must be something wrong with our, our scripture. I can't believe in a God that would do that. Well, go look at the rest of history's depictions of God, the gods, and see what their depictions were. And all of this is couched in our God died on a cross for us. And he's never going to ask you to be treated nearly as unjustly as he was treated when he was here. He's never going to ask you to suffer nearly as much as he did when he was here. He gave up his rights, and we're screaming, screaming about our Christian rights. So much of our faith is mythical. This idea of a Christian nation, that's a myth. When were we ever a Christian nation? That really was kind of <clears throat> finally a conflation of patriotism out of World War II and, and politics, and the church adopted patriotism as one of the part of the fruit of the Spirit. We put our flags in our church building. We're an embassy, guys. Our flag is the cross. <laughs> we, we, we happen to be born in America, but we're not here as Americans. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We have sovereignty, and we're not here to vote. We're not here to engage in world politics. I didn't say we shouldn't use those things, so don't read into my thinking here. I'm talking to you about where God wants us to live. We're ambassadors of light. How would Jesus think about this? What would be his concern? Too often we're shredding out the mat and swallowing the camel, and then we're throwing the camel at people. Think. 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 Look at Jesus. How would he think about the real way decisions? It's easy for us to come up with our own answers. Go talk to a really poor woman who is already destitute before you get too harsh in your view of that and give some simplistic answers. You know, until you can shed a tear for people that are really hurting, because God can, just like he did when he saw them mourning over Lazarus, he just wept. Be careful. Because the Jesus that we read about is not the Jesus that we have so conveniently depicted as a white American who's conquering the world on our behalf. Our kingdom is not of this world. And we're not here to serve it. I'm, th I'm thankful for my country, but I'm thankful for Middle Eastern countries too, because it just so happens that our Savior came from one. Not that we shouldn't be anyway. This American exceptionalism, this idea that we have as Americans and this clamor and rancor that's going on, we're all acting like a bunch of insurrectionists. God doesn't want his house to be that way. We are a kingdom of servants. We are peacemakers. That does not mean we're cowards. But it means we're peacemakers. And we do not fight for conquest. We fight for peace. Jesus took a prophetic action here to make a statement. Now, we could talk about that a long time. God expected Israel to bear fruit for him in the world. He intended for Israel to be where the vine started and spread out to all nations. He wanted Israel to be a light to the Gentiles. And they became insular and closed and made it about them. He wants the church to be the same way and we keep kingdom building. Israel got screwed up when they wanted to be like the Gentile nations, so they got an earthly king and they became worse than the Gentile nations. The early church got in trouble when they wanted to align with Rome and bring in the kingdom of God through this worldly, awful nation. 
nation and the church aligned with them and became worse than Rome. And today, the Christian church in America has lined itself with big corporations and institutional government trying to rule the world through the Constitution and legislation and rancor and yelling and self-righteousness. None of those are the ways of God. That, that Thursday night prayer place would be a good place to start, or, or maybe on your knees this afternoon alone in your prayer closet. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You are not going to win this battle at the polls this fall. It's just going to swing one way or the other, and it's going to be just the opposite bad that it was before. Just pick your poison. I, we're going to have to fight the kingdom battle on either side, and there's going to be some real ugly things that we're going to have to try to figure out how to... How do we deal with this? Well, let me just make a suggestion. Start with humility. I'll just leave that there. Because we just get so arrogant. Gosh. The cleansing of the temple. This fig tree is a symbol. Because God wants us, if we do it right, to bear fruit all the time. Is it unjust that God expects us to bear fruit? Let me ask, is your life bearing fruit for God? Are you about bearing fruit for you? You're going to go to college, you're going to do your job, you're going to make money, you're going to get your house, you're going to get your car. What's your fruit for God? If Jesus comes to you looking for fruit, what's he going to pick off that would taste good to him? Do you want people? Do you love the unloved people? Do you stand up for the cause of God even when people are like, what's your child? Are you a, are you a Democrat? Are you saying it's wrong to... Are, are you are going to just stand up for God? Say, no, what I'm really saying is God is good. I believe God is better than this. Our God has called us to live above that and to fight with these weapons that demolish strongholds, not these weapons that cause wars. Israel was to be a light and they failed. The church today is to be a light and we are faltering badly. But guys, it doesn't start out there. It starts right here. I learned it in Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let your light shine. Go to your dorm today and treat people nice. Take an interest in people. Look at people. Jesus looked at people. The woman caught in adultery was a human. What she did was wrong, but he looked up at her. He recognized her. He saw her. The bleeding woman who was embarrassed and humiliated and came in and touched his garment, and he said, whoa, who touched me? He looked at her, and then he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. In front of all these important people, and she's interrupted his going to a leader's house to heal his son or his servant. <clears throat> See, but remember, fake fruit is no fruit at all. Fake fruit is no fruit at all. My, my niece one time, back in the day, they used to have this fake fruit. It was made out of wax. And my first niece took a bite of a wax apple one time, which I enjoyed watching. <laughs> I was her 11-year-old uncle and tormentor. Still am, but you know, she's 11 years younger than I am. That's what hypocrisy is. It's fake fruit. You know, another is we're made for God's purpose to bear his fruit. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You heard that today? There's another phrase. What did he say he chose them for? Anybody know? I chose you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And guys, too many people, you know, want to make that. That means you, you reach people. That is certainly fruit. But we're not, we're not just a marketing 
thing. We're not a giant Ponzi scheme here. They'll know you're imitating me by your love for them. Would you die for that person? Would you risk yourself a little bit? Do you care about that person or do you want to count them on your fruit list? That's not our God. And God's people are never barren. One of the neat things about having been doing this for all these years is getting to hear the stories of people that I got to kind of share in their life change and hear their stories. You don't know that I can go to sleep at night knowing that likely somebody that God let me touch is bearing fruit. And God sees that as my fruit. And I make sure those people that bore their fruit in me know that I remember that. I posted on Facebook one of the elders from Durant that helped me a whole lot. And I had lunch with him and my roommate last week. Uh, just a great time. We're, we're, we're never barren. Because the, the impossible becomes possible. I believe you guys could be a family of churches in them. I think there are a lot of people that would like to have something like this. If you could figure out how to make it accessible. If you could figure out how to make it work for them. I mean, gosh, you got, what, 50,000 college students in this town? Flowing through here like a river every year? How many churches are really taking advantage of the open door that is the college campus? Well, you know, there's a reason people don't, because you don't have a lot of money. Some of, some of you probably have a little more money as your debt was recently forgiven, but I'm still angry about that because I paid mine off. Anyway, well, it's not there. I'm, I'm playing. Okay, I'm just playing. No, no political statements being made here, although I do hate. No. The, uh, the last thing I'm going to say here is just remember, judgment begins with the household of God. 1 Peter 4, 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Let me just tell you how I summarize this. Don't mess with God. There's more power than you can imagine. Yesterday, I reached out by my recliner. I live, I live a pretty austere life. My recliner that has one of those little jacks in it that I can plug my phone in. And I reached down and ran my hand down to get the little end to put in my phone. And I mean, I was lit up. That little wire had broken down there. I mean, literally, the rubber melted in my hands. You don't mess with electricity. You're not going to win that. <laughs> you, are, you are an awfully good conduit. It's just that you weren't meant to be a conduit. And when it flows through you, it takes a lot of you with it. My hands are still burning right here. It's just, but I've done that with God before. It's a fearful thing to fall on the hands of the living God. That's why it's a good idea to be his child. And then when you act like a turkey, run back like that kid and put your arm around mom or dad's leg. <laughs> hey, who started that fire over there? <laughs> you know, grab mom or dad. That's what we do with God. So it's never too late, guys. Until it's too late. That parable of the ten virgins... It's about one time it's going to finally be too late. And there's not going to be any negotiating. There's not going to be any changes. You know, most of us, probably it's going to be too late when we die. But, you know, I do believe that Jesus is going to reappear in this world and that he's going to reconcile this whole equation. 
And I think we want to be on the right side of it. But now's the time to bear fruit. Fruit of loving people. Fruit of caring about people. Fruit of generosity. Of sacrifice. Of concern. Of noticing people. Of having time for people. Not just harvesting our fields down to the bare ground, but leaving plenty of room on the corner so we have an extra hour for somebody. We can talk to somebody. Work, work a little less than you were to make as much money so you can use some of that time for people. Don't spend every dime you have so that you can, you know, have a few dollars to give to somebody who's broke. I had a, a young man who, you know, last year, one of our college students, and he was, he called, I reached out to him quite a bit, and I could tell he's a little bit of a lost puppy, and as it turns out, he's like so many guys, he really doesn't have a dad in his life at all, and, and uh, so I reached out to him, he's a science major, and he's got some baggage, but I, he was saying he needed to, to make quite a bit of money in the summer and said, do y'all have anything I could do? And it's like, well, how much do you need? And it was several thousand dollars because he didn't want to go home for the summer. And I said, gosh, we don't. I said, but I'll talk to a couple of people, but this is kind of late. And <clears throat> anyway, we, um, we were talking and when I, I delivered the message at church and I said, um, I, I can't find anything. And this was two weeks before school was out. And I walked away from him. I gave him a hug and said, be warm and well fed. And I'm kidding again. If you know the scripture, I'm just messing with you. But I thought, hmm. I went back and I said, I want to ask you a question. Do you have money for food? He said, I said, you being honest with me? Yeah, I'm all right. I said, well, if you're not all right later today, call me. And he called me later that day and said, I don't have any money for food. Well, I mean, heck, for somebody like me in my life, you know, I could blackmail one of you for 20 bucks for this guy to have some food money. <laughs> I can have it, you know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, Josh, remember that deal? Can you, you give me 20 for this guy? We, just 20? <laughs> no, I said, do you have Venmo? You know, 20 bucks. I waste 20 bucks a week. I See, that's fruit. It's being God to somebody. It's being an answer to a prayer. You, you just, you are. It might not be their prayer. It might be their mom's prayer. God, give Give my daughter somebody to look out for. That's why when you feel those urges, just answer them and go. So there's the deal. Jesus, as all the prophets, used these memorable things as object lessons to teach some very profound truths. It's important for you to see those things that don't look quite like what you thought Jesus was like so that you can get a better view of what Jesus is really like. Because where you see those things and it doesn't seem like you think Jesus is, it's not a problem with the story. It's a problem with our view of him. Yeah. So figure it out. You can figure it out. And we need to use these lessons. And we need to be rooted and deeply, rooted deeply in the love of God so that we're always bearing fruit for him to pick off of us whenever he's hungry. Thank you very much and God bless you. God, I want to pray that you bless these people. Our family of God here, each and every one, and I pray that you enrich their lives and help them to grow in their belief that Jesus is Lord and that he lives in them. Amen. Thank you.
Um, so the first thing is just that we hadn't really done a re-education on a couple of things, like all our standard housekeeping stuff around the curds. So real quick, just you guys know, the coffee's free. You can have some. It's free. Some people, I think, have thought, like, oh, is that just for leaders or just for the sound team or something like that? It's free. There's a little mug. You can drop some change to help us provide that coffee, but it is free. And when you spend your mug, um, you can put it on the cart or somewhere near there where it's obvious, and don't leave it at your seat because it's a few times where our coffee team gets all done and then they discover that they're not all done and there's five mugs that are hiding out here. So please just be good about that. Be kind to some of our people who are serving. And Troy, are you ready to talk, tell us about something cool? Sure. It's my show, you. Do choose your next. Okay. Yeah, Troy! Hey, good morning. Uh, so when DNC first started, we were meeting at UNT's campus like once a month and then we moved into the MLK Rec Center. And since we were there using their space, we would also like help out and do like volunteer events, um, help set up and tear down different things, haunted house, we would have people dress up as Santa to take pictures with kids. Um, but then we moved here and then COVID hit, so we really haven't had that many opportunities, but now we have one. Uh, they're having a Hispanic Heritage Month event next Saturday, and they need people to help out with setup, tear down, and to run some booths. So there's three time slots you can sign up for. Um, yeah, all the information is up here on the slide. Yep. And you can sign up at, uh, la, 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 we're going to start putting opportunities for our church to be involved in our Denton community. And so every time you can, please say yes to these things. We're going to be a church that's going to be involved in our city. And so don't miss this chance. DentonOurChurch.com slash volunteer is how you can sign up for one of those time slots. Um, is there anything else they need to know? Nope. Sweet. Excellent. I'm going to share one more thing while Ryan and Hannah both come up be ready for their announcements. So the other thing that, that you just need to hear about and make sure you know is that small groups are starting this week. So if you had signed up for yeah, if you had signed up for an adult small group and you haven't been, you haven't heard from your small group leader yet, come talk to me after church and I'll make sure to figure out what's going on there. But you should have heard from your small group leader already and get pumped for small groups this week. Yay. Hey everyone, I'm Hannah McGinty. I lead the operations team at DNC, so sound team, slides, uh yeah technology things podcast <laughs> so we need people for sound team so if you're interested in sound team please come talk to me we desperately need people <laughs> so um yeah who would be like remotely interested in joining sound team but like oh show of hands cool we have one i love that <laughs> do we have more than one maybe? cool two three. Oh my gosh i love seeing the hands five six Wonderful. So yes, please come to me. I need to see at least six people that showed their hands and then we can like um, work from there. But yeah, it's just sound team setup. So you don't have to like learn about like how to do mixing or anything just yet. We just really need help with like, you know, setting up stands and mics and all that. All right. All right. Is this one on? Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, I'm gonna talk about Spark. The Spark event we have coming up. Yeah. So we've had two Spark events so far, and I realized after the last one that we haven't really talked about what Spark is and like why it's relevant to our church and why you should go to it. So um, I'm going to give hopefully a brief explanation of that. So Spark is a new ministry that's being created across all the churches in our network, and at other churches they would say it's a young adults ministry. But I think for us, that word young adults maybe doesn't mean that much because we're kind of like all young adults. So just to be clear, like young adults means like post-college, so you're like in your mid to early 20s through mid 30s. And the reason for this ministry is to help people figure out how to follow Jesus in that particular stage of life and to build community across the churches and you know just, just finding friends in that stage of life. So for our church, it may seem weird to go to a ministry like that because that is literally what our church does, right? We're mostly young adults. We're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and we're trying to build community within our church. So why do we go to events like this when we already do this within our church? 
So for us, a lot of it is about preparing the way for the future of our church. When the young adult segment gets smaller and smaller and um, the older segments of our church grow, and there's going to be a day when folks are graduating from college and they're in their mid-20s, and it's like harder to get involved, and they don't feel like they're really as much a part of our church because a lot of the people are like in their late 30s or 40s. So we need to start now laying the groundwork. That way we can have a ministry ready for those people in the future to feel connected and to be discipled. And also to build connections with our other churches. Like Ronnie said, we're part of a network of churches. Um, and there are other people in this stage of life at those other churches that we could be connecting with. So if you're wondering, like, should I go to this? Should I go to these events? Yes or no? Uh, I'll give you a few reasons why maybe you should go. So, kind of based off what this ministry is attempting to accomplish. Um, if you're in this stage of life, young adult-ish, which is like, okay, our whole church, um, and you're struggling to learn how to follow Jesus in this stage of life and integrate that in with working full-time and, you know, all the things that we do, then yes, you should consider going to these events. If you feel like you have that part of your life figured out really well, Maybe you should also consider going to these events because we need people there that have this figured out that can teach other people and help lead these folks that are struggling. Um, the other aspect of building community, so if you're like struggling to find friends or community in this stage of life, then this is a great thing to go to. We really want to emphasize building relationships, building friendships across the churches and within, people, within our individual churches. But also, if you feel like you have a lot of friends and you're really good at building community, you should go. Because you have the friends that other people need. Yeah. And I think our church in particular, we are really rich in young adults and really rich in young adult friendships. So we should really consider showing up at these events and bringing that richness to bless the other churches and bless the people of the other churches. So what this is, is we're starting a new life monthly event thing where every month like the last Sunday of the month we'll do a bigger spark event and it will be at a different church each month and it'll be like a Sunday afternoon um, some like teaching some small group time and then dinner and then usually hang out afterwards so I think this one is the 25th at the Garland Church on a Sunday um, so we'd love to have any of you that want to go, and if you have any other questions, feel free to come talk to me, and we can try to get it figured out. All right. Yay. Last couple things is you can give on our website, dentonorthchurch.com slash donate, and also on Venmo at dentonorthchurch. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.